Hey, everybody, this is Jack Canfield. You probably know me as the creator of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series and as a person you might have seen in the movie The Secret. And if you want to create a life with more money, more meaning, and more freedom, you have to start listening to Shit You Don't Learn in College podcast with my good friend, Xander Fryer. Make sure you do that. How's it going? I'm Xander Fryer, just another millennial corporate dropout turned entrepreneur. Since quitting my day job as an engineer just over four years ago, I built a multi-million dollar coaching business, mentoring seven-figure business owners, professional athletes, award-winning musicians, Hollywood actors, best-selling authors, and hundreds of aspiring entrepreneurs. I truly believe that when we couple the right knowledge with a strong desire for action, anything is possible. But most of us are never given the right knowledge, the shit you don't learn in college. The Sidlik Podcast shares interviews from the world's most successful people in business, finance, sports, health, and entertainment in order to help you live a life filled with more money, more meaning, and more freedom than you ever thought possible. Get ready to learn the shit you don't learn in college. All right, how's it going, everybody? Xander Fryer here, and we are back with another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. And on this episode, we have the Jack Canfield. Now, Jack is best known for being the founder of Chicken Soup for the Soul, a billion-dollar publishing empire with over half a billion copies sold worldwide in over 40 different languages. He's also a world-renowned speaker and trainer who's conducted over 2,500 events worldwide. He's been featured on Oprah, CNN, Forbes, Time, and many other publications with over 50 years teaching entrepreneurs educators and corporate leaders to build successful lives. He's in the National Speakers Association Hall of Fame. He founded the Transformational Leadership Council, which is also the birthplace for the book and movie The Secret. And he has nearly 3,000 Canfield certified trainers worldwide under his belt. You're not going to want to miss this episode. In it, we're going to dig into how Jack uh, built Chicken Soup for the Soul and how it came to be despite over 140 no's from different publishers over the course of 14 months. We're going to talk about where the secret actually came from and how he almost shut it down. He almost shut down the international phenomenon before it even started. We're going to talk about why affirmations and visualizations work and how they might be one of the most powerful tools in your success arsenal. And we're going to talk about what it truly means to be successful in life and why so many people actually get this wrong. So don't miss this episode. And don't forget... We only spread our message when you share this knowledge with others that need it. So if you enjoy this episode, please share it on your social and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. Every week, my team goes through our reviews. And for every new five-star review, we plant a tree to restore the rainforest of Madagascar and provide a child in India one year of e-learning. So if you give us a review, you're giving back too. All right, how's it going, everybody? Xander Fryer here, and we're back with another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. And today, we've got my good friend and one of my personal mentors, Jack Canfield. Jack, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me, Xander. My pleasure, truly. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So uh, for for everybody that doesn't know you, which I don't know if it's anybody, but we'll we'll kind of give you a quick little background um, you know, you've, you've written chicken soup for the soul. You founded TLC, the transformational leader leadership council. Uh, you've authored hundreds of best-selling books. Um, and you've, uh, you've helped 
inspire a lot of, you know, thousands of entrepreneurs and, and educators around the world to uh, become trainers and, and coaches yourself. So I, I always got to start off with probably the most important question here, Jack. You've, you've accomplished a couple of things in life. What does success mean to you? Well, success used to mean being able to accomplish anything you set out to do. And yeah. then as I understood it more over the years, I realized success is fulfilling your soul's purpose. And what I mean by that is I believe everyone's born with a unique purpose that they're meant to fulfill, something they're meant to express, to create, to invent, to solve, to do, whatever it might be. And if you do that, then you're successful. And it could be as simple as raising four drug-free children. It could be as simple as living in a a-frame in the middle of the forest writing poetry, or it could be, you know, solving hunger in in, in the world. So it, it, it depends on what is coming up inside of you wanting to be expressed or to yeah. be solved. And so for me, you know, my, my purpose is to inspire and empower people to live their highest vision in the context of love and joy. And my chicken soup books are do the inspiration, my books like the success principles, dare to win, things like that, do the empowerment plus all the workshops. So do I feel successful? Yes, because I've been doing that literally for almost 50 years now. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't going to date you and say how long you've been doing it for, but I'm I'm okay with you saying it for yourself. Um, but you you kind of hit on something that I think is really important there already. The the way that you define success is not necessarily setting out or like accomplishing the things you set out to. Right. It's it's accomplishing the the things that y your soul was meant to do. And it, right. it sounds like there's there's almost a discrepancy for a lot of people. A lot of people might go after more money, more more accomplishments, but that's not necessarily what they were meant to do, it sounds like. So it sounds like the first step is actually getting clear on that part of it, right? Yeah, I think you have to get in touch with what is your purpose, you know, and like yeah. my wife's purpose is to give people permission to be themselves by fully being her own transparent, parent, authentic, spontaneous self. And so yeah. she does that every day. And that's not like solving the world's problems necessarily, but there's a guy named Howard Thurman came up with a great, great quote once. He said, don't ask what the world needs, ask what makes you come alive. Because what yeah. the world needs are people who've come alive. So if you believe, as I do, that when you're in an experience of joy, you are doing your purpose, that that's the universe, your physical body's feedback mechanism. It tells you, hey, you're on course, you're on purpose, this is what you're meant to do. So anything that brings you joy. So I have four children who are all in the music world. They sing, they're, one's a DJ, one's a hip hop artist, one's a songwriter. And so the reality is they're all doing what they love. And yeah. whether or not they make a lot of money, I don't think they care and neither do I, as long as they're yeah. happy. So that which brings you the greatest fulfillment is really what you wanna do. And it may or may not bring you a lot of money. It can, and there's nothing wrong with wanting money. I love money, I get to do a lot of things. As, as you've probably heard Bob Proctor say, you know, if you don't have a lot of money, the good you can do is only related to your immediate environment, which yep. can be enough. But I want to build schools in Africa. I want to, you know, change education. I want to build all kinds of, you know, products and services for people. And that requires money. So it's part of my mission, if you will, to be able to manifest that. Yeah, I love that. And, I, you know, that's something that myself and my wife, Maddie, have uh, you know, kind of like had a lot of conversations around because for me, I want to do so much more. Like you mentioned, I want to change the face of education. I want to do, I want to have a huge impact, get to a lot of people. And sometimes for her, she struggles with, uh, you know, seeing me do all of these things when the reality is for, for her, that purpose is kind of like you were talking about, um, for your wife is just being that lighthouse so that like everybody around her is lit up, not necessarily yeah. going to the same level of impact I have. 
And the big challenge, and this was true for my wife, Inga, for many years, I would take her to conferences like the National Speakers Association, yeah. uh, you know, the places like that, Transformational Leadership Council. And she would melt down after the first day because she'd start comparing herself to Tony yeah. Robbins and Lisa Nichols and, you know, all these different people and feel like she wasn't doing anything. But it wasn't hers to do. You know, she's not meant to be a speaker or a trainer or a coach or a writer, you know, although she is writing her memoir right now. But the point is, when you compare yourself with people who seem to be having more impact or they're making more money or they're more famous, that's really not what it's about. And so it's very easy to feel low self-esteem if you do that. So I always say comparison is the fast track to misery. You know, you're yeah. not meant to compare yourself to anyone to simply be who you are. And as long as you're experiencing joy and happiness, the rest of it's irrelevant. Oh, I love that. Um, so let's dig into a little bit of your history of how you got here. I think, um, you know, anybody who's ever read a chicken soup for the soul book, which, you know, I, I remember reading them when I was a kid and just feeling like, you know, so uplifted and so inspired. And like you mentioned, that's part of your purpose. Tell me about when you were first getting chicken soup started. Like what, what was that like? It was just, um, I'm assuming it was all easy. You just wrote a couple of stories, you put them out there and all of a sudden you had a lot of success, right? It was super simple. <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me when I was at the comedy store in New York, and this guy he asked me he asked the audience what you do, and I said I'm an author. He said anything I've ever heard of. I said Chicken Soup for the Soul, and the whole audience applauded because a lot of people knew it. He said, "Oh yeah,", yeah. Like, he said like that's difficult. You take a bunch of stories, you throw them up in the air, you pick them up in any order, put them in a book, and then you're rich, right? And but that's <laughs> kind of I think how a lot of people thought it was. But no, it was not easy. Um, first of all, let me tell you how the idea came. I was around giving speeches all around the world and people would come up to me and say that story you told about the girl scout who sold three thousand boxes of girl scout cookies is that in a book anywhere and i'd say no story about the guy who climbed on everest that in a book anywhere no my daughter needs to read that my son needs to read that my sales team needs to hear that so i kept hearing you know well, maybe i should put these in a book so i decided yeah. one night to do it and on a plane home from boston to la I listed every story I could think of, and it was about 70 stories. So I said, well, if I write two stories a week in a year, I'll have a, 100 stories because I'll get her some more. And that was my goal. And that's yeah. what I did. I, I wrote one story Monday through Wednesday night, another story Thursday through uh, Friday night, Saturday night, and then on Sunday I would rest. And then I'd let the story sit for a week, and then I'd come back and edit them a week later because it's always better if you do that. And um, then I had breakfast with Mark Victor Hansen, who ended up being my co-author on a lot of the books, and he asked me what I was doing. I said, I'm doing this book of stories. He said, I should write it with you. I said, Mark, I'm three quarters of the way done. Why would I let you do that? And he said, well, number one, uh, I'm a better marketer than you are. And he was a great salesperson. <laughs> yeah. And he said, number two, half the stories you tell you stole from me. And I said, that's not true. Probably 10. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, I let him do it. And I said, if you can go get 30 more stories, we'll do it. So he did. Now, here's what happened. We now have this book. We got to sell it to, to yeah. a publisher. And we got turned down by 144 publishers over the course of 14 months. And, um, you know, most people would have given up by them, but we had this sense of divine purpose. We're meant to do this. We would have self-published yeah. if we had to. I'm glad we didn't. I didn't want to be a publisher. I love being an author and a speaker, but it's the 145th publisher who finally said yes. And, um, and we said, do we get an advance? He said, no but I'll give you 20 cents of every dollar I bring in. I said, well, that's good. That's fair. So we asked him, how many copies do you think we'll sell? He said, 20,000. And we said, well, that's not our vision. He said, what's your vision? We said, we want to sell 
150,000 by Christmas was coming out in July and a million and a half in a year and a half. And he laughed out loud, Xander. I don't know if you yeah. laugh out loud when you tell him your dream. And, yeah. and he said, you guys are crazy. And we said, no, we're entrepreneurs and we're visionaries and we're people that get things done. And so we sold 135,000 by Christmas, 1.3 million in a year and a half. He stopped laughing and then he went and bought a private jet. <laughs> so we yeah. saw all the success. But, but, you, but you missed your goals. Just by a little bit, but you missed your goals. <laughs> well, here, here's the deal. When you when you have a goal that big and you miss by a little, you're in good shape. You're, you're not going to be too upset about yeah. that last 200K, yeah. <laughs> yeah, someone says aim for the stars, and if you land on the moon, you've gone farther than most people ever did, you know? So that's basically... And then that book went on to sell 10 million copies over the next three years. It it changed our life. But, but the yeah. first year and a half, again, you know, we did five... Well, I would call action steps a day. We'd call five newspapers to see if they yeah. interview us. We'd call five radio stations to see if we could get on talk shows. We'd call five bookstores to see if they were carrying our books, five churches to see if they would let us speak at their church and sell books in the back of the room or in their bookstore. Yeah. And again, it wasn't until 14 months into that that we actually hit a bestseller list. And we yeah. hit number 15 on the Washington Post, and then it climbed up. We hit number 15 on the New York Times, got to the top, and it stayed there for three and a half years. So... The, the moral of the story is you got to work hard and work consistently. I think yeah. you can do it faster today because of the internet. We didn't have the internet back then. That was 1993. But the reality is that, um, you know, you, you got to do the work and, and be willing to, we say, it, reject the rejections, keep on asking, keep on doing the, 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 the legwork. I remember we decided that one of the great markets would be multi-level marketing companies where you got millions yeah. of people. And I'm, I, I must have called 20 in one day got hung up on about 15 times, but one of them said, send us a copy. And that was a company called Discovery Toys. They bought a thousand copies. They brought me in to speak at their convention as a keynote speaker. And again, then that took off. And I think I've spoken for probably 50 multi-level marketing companies now. But again, yeah. a lot of rejection, a lot of just got to push through it. Well, you mentioned you mentioned something. You said you know it's a lot easier today with the internet. And I don't, I don't know if easier is is the right word, um, because I think it still takes a lot of work and I think the barrier to entry is a lot smaller, a lot lower because we have social media and we have all of these things. Um, but I do think like you mentioned, like you, five things a day for 14 straight months that you guys were getting out there, feet on the street, making things happen. Right. Whereas like today we live in kind of a microwave world where we expect everything to be quick and easy because of social media. Do you think that's right. an issue for a lot of people being successful? I do. I do. I do. And I think what happens, a lot of people that are selling you launch programs and those kind of things talk about their launch where they made a million dollars in three days. and But they don't tell you that or, it took or them- Or a million in two, right? Yeah. Yeah. They don't tell you it took them like five years to build up their mailing list and five years to build all these affiliate relationships and build those friendships and so on and so forth. And so it's not to say that you can't have successful launches. You can I think that there's also more competition than there ever was. There's more yeah. competition for eyeballs. There's more competition in terms of, I think last year there were 600,000 books written. You know, everyone's got a, we're a computer and they can write a book and uh, you can put it on Amazon as a ebook and so forth. So there's a lot more competition in that way, but there's also a lot more opportunity to reach more people. There's yeah. more places you can go. There's more podcasts you can be on. I used to have to fly to a city and do five radio shows to reach as many people as I can reach in a day by doing five podcasts and never leaving yep. my house. The other thing I would say too, to, to go back to your original question is that 
I've been saying this to a lot of people lately. Everybody that I know overestimates what they can accomplish in one year and underestimates what they can accomplish in 10 years. So what I mean by that is everyone gets frustrated when they don't like become a bestseller in like, you know, the first month of their book. Uh, but if you stay at it for a while, you can accomplish an amazing amount over time. And so, you know, when by the I'm way, training- I'm taking notes for for our book launch coming in October. Just so you're aware, this is a this is an education coaching session for me too. So perfect, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> but the reality is, you know, I didn't become an overnight success. Over the years, I was building my reputation, doing one book at a time, doing one talk at a time, one podcast at a time, one interview at a time. I have an 81 page. Uh, resume right now, which has every talk I've ever given, every company I've ever spoken for. I've been on over a thousand radio and TV shows. I've done over 700 podcasts. You know, now you do those one at a time. Today I'm doing four. And the reality is that over time it builds up. But when you're first starting, you're you're building slowly. You don't get on the Joe Rogan show, you know, when you're first starting, you know, yeah. it takes a while to build a reputation, but when you build that, then you can get on the show, you can get on Oprah, you can get on Ellen, you can get on, uh, you know, the Today Show and so forth. So I would just say to people, you know, have your goal, believe in it, visualize it, and then do the work. And then somewhere along the way, one of those things, this is what I call the law of probabilities, one of those things you do, that'll be the thing that breaks it. You will get on Oprah. Yeah. You'll get that, you know, shot to be on CNN, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden, you're you you've made it. But the point is, you got to keep doing all those things. You never know which one is going to be the one that just, that takes you to the next level. I, I love that. One of my uh, one of my good friends, Joel Marion, he talks about the stone cutter. Right, the stone cutter would would hit the stone with a hammer a thousand times before hit number one oh one actually, you know, cracked the stone in half. Well, right. was it actually hit number 101 or was it the thousand hits that came before that built up to that one hit? Absolutely. Right. Slowly breaking down the stone a little bit at a time. Yeah, I love that. You you mentioned something that I, I don't want to gloss over. You mentioned you mentioned a sense of divine purpose when you were going after chicken soup for the soul. And and I do want to expand on that a little bit because frankly, I, I think entrepreneurship pardon my language, but entrepreneurship is batshit crazy. It's not logical, it doesn't make sense. Right. But but you have to have a little bit of faith. You have to have something to drive you to do something weird that everybody thinks is illogical or irrational. Can you can you tell me about that for you? I just find it's interesting that you would apologize for saying bad shit when the name of your show is shit you didn't learn in college. Nevertheless, (laughs) (laughs) we'll move on. Um, (laughs) I think I think it's important to be authentic and to be you because you are unique. And a lot of times people are trying to imitate that which has been successful. And there are things yeah. to learn there. You know, success leaves clues. As Tony Robbins says, we can learn things that people do that work. But at the same time, when you're uniquely you, like I was just working yesterday on coming up with a headline for an email we're going to send out. And um, and I and I, and I I think the one we landed on was make sure you don't open this email because it's bizarre. You know, <laughs> it's like if someone goes like, why not? Let me see what this, yeah. you know, but it's something like that that is off the chart or off the, you know, norm that makes you go, wait a second. It stands out. It's unique. And yeah. I'm not saying everything you have to do is like that, but look at chicken soup for the soul. One of the reasons it was turned down by 144 publishers was they thought the title was weird, you know? Yeah. And yet that title came from a meditation. It didn't have a title. We we're going to New York to sell the book. 
And Mark and I said, well, let's both meditate because we do meditate all the time and ask God, source, you know, whatever you want to call it, universal intelligence for, for a title. And so on day three, I saw this big chalkboard, like in school, big green chalkboard emerge and his hand came out and wrote chicken soup on it. And I say to the hand, thinking it's God, you know, well, what the heck does chicken soup have to do with my book? And the voice said, when you were sick as a kid, your grandmother gave you chicken soup. And I thought, but this is not a book for sick people. And the voice said, people's spirits are sick. They're in resignation. They're in fear. They're in hopelessness. And I went chicken soup for the spirit, and, uh, chicken soup for the soul, and I got goosebumps. And then yeah. I told my wife, she got goosebumps. Told Mark, he got goosebumps. Went to New York, nobody got goosebumps. But the point was, <laughs> I did. And when you get yeah. goosebumps, I call them God bumps. What happens is it's you, your way or your body saying, this is divine. This is yeah. inspired. So it took a while for that to take off. But here's the deal. That brand won the International Brand Award one year, that name. It became the name of a series of over 300 books. It became the, the name of a television show that's working. We sold the company for, I think it was over $60 million. It's worth over $300 million now, the brand alone. And so that, like, you know, when I say, is it divinely inspired? Yeah. Was that desire to write that book? Because people kept coming to me saying, write it, write it, write it, write it, write it. You know, I'm, I'm actually preparing a talk right now called How to Recognize Signs from the Universe. And they come when people are telling you the same thing, when you hear a song lyric over and over, when you can't get a lyric out of your head, when certain numbers keep showing up, you know, there are signs that some is trying to get your attention. And so all these things were like the universe, God, source, trying to get my attention. Yeah. And so I, I paid attention. So when you get attention, then give your intention to the attention and then you actually get what you want. Yeah, so maybe that's the big issue is a lot of people aren't paying attention because they're too consumed by by email or taking out the trash, so they're not paying attention to those signs, and that's a big part of it. And that's why meditation is so important. It slows you down and creates a quiet space, yeah. not only while you're in it, but also makes you more aware as you go through the day because awareness is your major tool. And if your yeah. awareness is hijacked by advertisements, if it's numbed out by alcohol, drugs, and sex, and too much TV and not enough sleep, then what happens is you don't notice yeah, that's huge. So let's let's talk about you know we're starting to dig into some of your principles here. Obviously, I'm a mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of the success principles. It was actually one of the books that led to me quitting my job. Um, and so you have, I believe it's 67 principles in the success principles, right? So uh, of those 67, this is probably like telling someone to pick their favorite child. But what what do you see big, being maybe the biggest one or two issues that that you see people having when it comes to really living that that soul's true purpose? Well, I mean, it's not like asking me my favorite child. What it's really asking me is if I was only going to keep one organ in my body, which one would I keep? And the reality <laughs> is, you can't live just with your heart. You're not, or your, yeah, you're well, not going to live with just a brain or a heart or a lung. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So the, the book is a system. Yeah. And uh, I would tell you that th not everything in there is critical. Um, they're all useful. But there's yeah. about the first 20, I think, are critical. And right. I won't try to go through all those right now. But I think that the essential one you've got to start with is 100% responsibility. Take 100% yeah. responsibility. Like most people are blamers and complainers and excuse makers. We're blaming the government. We blame the president. We blame the Congress. We blame the economy. We blame our parents, you know, et cetera. And the reality is we have to take 100% responsibility, which means that we have to ask ourselves for everything we're experiencing, how did I create, promote, or allow that to happen? 
Yeah. And that's not easy for most people to deal with because that means then I can't be upset with anybody. I have to take responsibility. But the, the freeing right. part of that, Xander, is if I am responsible, it means I have the power to create the life I want to live. To, to change it now. Exactly. Because if yeah. I created it, I can uncreate it and recreate it. And so, you know, I teach that formula E plus R equals O. There's an event, you have a response, you create an outcome. Everything you're currently experiencing is an outcome of how you responded to an earlier event. And so if I don't like my outcomes, I have to change my responses. And that's really yeah. what the rest of the book is. It's about what are the responses of successful people? How do I think? What do I visualize? What, what action should I take? So on and so forth. So just to unpack a little more, after 100% responsibility, then I would say, get clear what's your purpose, create a vision to fulfill that purpose. So my vision is to have a million trainers training my work uh, around the world by the year 2030 and have goals to fulfill that. So I put together a train the trainer program. I have an online train the trainer program. I write books about it, et cetera. And then what are the things that will facilitate the fulfillment of those goals? Well, affirmations and visualization action steps, having a support group, having an accountability partner, listening to feedback and never giving up. If I do those things, I'm going to be successful. So those are the core. That's like, you know, having two arms, two legs, all the internal organs you need, and you can move on. Now, if you want to go further, there's all kinds of ways to build bigger muscles and have your brain be smarter and all that. That's the rest of the book. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. I, I do want to dig into one of those things uh, a sure. little bit more concretely because um, I feel it was, it was one of the core principles that really helped me, uh, get my business going and get to where we are. Um, so when I, when I first, uh, met you, I remember calling your office like two days after I just quit my job and talking to Jody and Patty and getting out to Arizona to come hang with you guys. And I remember in a, in a group of 500 people, uh, I remember, you know, I was a lost kid had just quit my job. I remember standing up in the middle of the room to share my, my goal and I said, I'm going to be back here next year, but instead of in the audience, I'm going to be on the stage with Jack, and I'm going to be telling everybody that I just had my first $100,000 month as a coach. And I, I remember being in that room, and I remember, you know, everybody was super supportive and like, yeah, you tell them, Xander, but I'm sure some people were like, yeah, that's cute, man. Like, that's never going to happen, right? And But I, I visualized that. I visualized and affirmed every single day for the next 365 days being on that stage with you and telling everybody I just had my first 100K month as a coach. And that next July rolls around. And you know I went through a lot of trials and tribulations throughout that year. You know I, I lost my best friend to suicide. I had a lot of things go on with my family. But that next July, uh, you know, 12 months later, I brought in $117,000 in my business. And, and I personally, like, I tell everybody that, you know, there were, there were fears, there were ups, there were downs, there were all sorts of things. But the one thing that I never let go of was that visualization and affirmation. And somehow that, that pulled it all together. And that next year I got to go on stage with you and, and share that. Um, can you tell me, can you tell me why affirmations and visualizations are so powerful? Cause I think to me, that was one of the most useful things that I ever learned and will continue to use for the rest of my life. Sure. Well, I think they work on three levels. Number one, you're telling your subconscious what you want to create. Your subconscious mind is the creative part of you. And it then starts to figure out, okay, how do we get there? 
The second thing it does is it creates a positive emotion in you, which creates a vibrational match in the universe for what you want. If you look at the law of attraction, it says you have to create a vibration that matches what it is you want to attract, the events, the opportunities, the resources to you. So this $100,000, when you're visualizing it and affirming it and imagining having it, that vibration of imagining having it is the vibration actually of having it. And so what yeah. happens is whatever vibration you're working at, like a lot of people want to have a lot of money in their lives, but they're walking around thinking, I don't have enough. And they're vibrating. They don't, they're not being generous with their tips. They're thinking they can't afford something, et cetera. And so, you know, one of the early things I learned from my first mentor, W. Clement Stone, who was a friend in Napoleon Hills, always carry a $100 bill. Now, back then, a $100 bill is worth yep. about $250 now. And said, don't spend it, but always have it. And every time you open up, your, you take out cash to buy a pizza or something, you're going like, oh, wow, I'm rich. You know, so literally yeah. <laughs> it's just a lay, all these ways of like getting yourself into that mindset. The third thing it does is it's actually sending out a wave, if you will, like a, I call it an Internet e e email. It's Internet, I-N-N-E-R as opposed to I-N-T-E-R. It's yeah. the Internet of the universe that is attracting to you. All of the resources and ideas, clients, people, et cetera, maybe a course you took online about how to expand your you know, client base, whatever, that you need in order to reach that. And so you're working on the level of spiritual energy, if you will, and everything is energy, everything's vibration. You're working on your own subconscious beliefs, and you're working on accelerating your creativity, raising your, your vibration. So the affirmation affirms the words, the visualization brings in the visual, the emotion brings in the physical. So you're, it's like it's a, a cubed, if you will, power of, 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 of manifestation. It's really, you know, it's been around forever. They talked about it in Rome, in Greece, in Egypt, in Babylonia, you know, in India, and it used to be limited to the very wealthy. It was a secret society kind of thing that people knew how to do. And yeah. then now it's not a secret anymore. You know, we all are teaching it, but you have to do it. Well, it is still called the secret. It came out in the the movie. The book. Yeah, sure. Yeah, in the book. Um, speaking of which, let's let's dig into that a little bit because I know you you were the founder of of the Transformational Leadership Council, and I believe that's kind of the stem of where the secret came from. Is that right? Well, Rhonda Byrne, who was the yeah. uh, person who produced it, she became a member and yeah. she, she invited all of us to participate in the movie. She was an Australian television producer, kind of like the Johnny Carson show or Jimmy Kimmel, you know, those kind of things now. And um, she just got this download that she was supposed to bring this to everybody. Uh, yeah. And she called up everyone that she could. She found out that the majority of people she wanted to interview were part of my organization I'd started. So she yeah. said, can I come and, and, and interview everybody there? And at first I didn't want her to do it. I thought it was just going to be a big distraction. And yeah. then I was, I was meditating that night after I said, I told her no. And so that <laughs> night I'm meditating and I, I, the universe said, Canfield, tell her yes. So I went, okay, <laughs> I'm listening. And, and thank God I did. I, I've made millions of dollars because of the secret, just, you know, yeah. speaking and books and other movies I've been in and stages I've been on and so forth. So, um, yeah, the, that, that, do you know, for the longest time, Xander, that was the number one selling DVD in China. I went wow. to Iran to speak, which is considered the evil access country, you know? Yeah. And I had to go to Pakistan to get a uh, visa, you know, to get into Iran. And uh, I get there and there's like, 800 people in the audience. I'm going, how is this possible? It's because they'd shown the secret on national television. I was wow. shocked that the Ayatollah would allow that, but he did. 
And um, that's so this this went all over the world and got yeah. me invitations to speak all through the Middle East, the Gulf, uh, India, etc. Well, so good, yeah. good thing, good thing you meditate because it sounds like this is this is really where everything good is coming from. <laughs> it has in my life every every inspiration, every idea for a book, every thing where I've said don't do that yet or do that now has yeah. literally come from my awarenesses during meditation. That's amazing. So if you're if you're out there and you're listening and you're not meditating and you're like, eh, it's too hard, maybe maybe take a second think and see what you can do. Um, so one one question that I have, you just earlier in this conversation, you mentioned wanting to change the education system. Yes. So obviously, shit you don't learn in college is the name of this podcast. It's been a, a big um, you know source of inspiration for me because I you know personally I believe if we can get some of these things happening earlier on in the education system, teaching, you know, teaching things like finding your purpose, critical thought, how to question, um, you know, having, having your own logic and rationale rather than just trusting what's around you and, and learning how to learn even. Nobody's ever taught how to learn how to learn. Right. Um, you know, uh, you mentioned wanting to change the education system. What, what are your aspirations there? Well, just that. I, I really think that there needs to be a track, just like we have social science and sciences and mathematical sciences. We need to have something called self-science, where yeah. it's, there's courses all the way from kindergarten all the way through high school and college that you can study and major in. Uh, you know, Up until recently, you couldn't even go to college and study the stuff you and I teach. There was no, no degree for that. There's yeah. a few places you can do that now, but there wasn't before. And this needs to be taught in business schools and education schools and, uh, you know, everywhere. So for me, everything that we don't learn that screws up our life, communication, values, goal setting, visualization, law of attraction, how to manage your emotional states, you know, how to get in and out of relationships, how to persevere when things are difficult, you know, all the stuff that we teach and take seminars in and their TED Talks on and so forth. There need to be courses. So what we're doing, I have a, a committee now, a woman named Patricia Jacobson's in charge of it. In fact, I was just reading an email from her this morning. We've started a research project with a, a university in California where we've developed a curriculum. We'll start teaching it next fall. And we're, we, we know it works, but we need research because in the education world, you have to go to people and say, look, these kids did this program. You got to go through the, you got to go through the yeah. flow. Yeah. Dropouts went down, time on tasks went up, reports to the principal's office went down, you know, graduation rates are up, more kids got into college, you know, all that kind of stuff you got to do. Yeah. Um, but the, the reality is we know it works. Uh, I was part of a thing called the National Council for Self-Esteem for years where we developed all this curriculum. And and but the problem was, Xander, you'd be a teacher, you'd come to my seminar, you'd learn it, you'd go back to your school and you'd teach it, but when you retired, it disappeared from the school. Yeah, it, so, wasn't, it wasn't institutionalized. It was yeah, just a singular person. Yeah, and there's always going to be math taught in schools. There's always going to be fifth grade yeah. science. There's always going to be reading. So there always needs to be some level of self-science, self-education, whatever you want to call it. And that's going to take a while to develop that. So we have university departments that are focusing on it. There's research more on it and people see the value of it. Because the truth now is, there's actually more money every year spent in hotel rooms and now online because of COVID to learn this stuff than there is spent on the entire education system in America for people in classrooms. So we're paying the price to have to learn all this stuff later. And yeah. I, what, I, what I used to say when I was in graduate school, because we did have a graduate school in psychological education at UMass where I went, it was one of the few programs in America. We said, if it's done on time, it's called education. If it's done late, it's called therapy. 
but my goal <laughs> will be to put all the therapists out of business so that we could just get it done in school. So everyone grows up, you know, psychologically smart and financially literate as opposed to uh, the opposite of that, which is what what's so right now. I love that. I think I think that's absolutely huge and, and one of my big missions as well. So I, it's great hearing that you guys are doing something around that. Um, I'd love to hear, I mean, I could talk, talk to you about education for an hour and a half, but I'd love to hear, and I'm sure everybody would love to hear a little bit more just uh, around Jack. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just curious, like, what is, what does Jack do in his downtime? What do you do for fun? Well, you know, I don't have what classical people would call a lot of downtime because yeah. what I do, what I do is fun. In other like, words, yeah. I think it was, uh, the guy that invented the light bulb, Thomas Edison. He said, when your vocation feels like a vacation, you have arrived. And so yeah. what I do is my fun. However, I play ping pong with my wife. We, during, during COVID, we discovered, rediscovered that we had a ping pong table. The kids used to use it for beer pong, but they're all grown up now. Yeah. And uh, so we bought a new net and some paddles and we play probably four nights a week. And she usually beats me two out of three games. She's 13 years younger. That's my excuse. But no, generally, we just have a good – we laugh a lot. It's really fun. And uh, we're getting much better at it. I play the guitar badly, but I enjoy it. Um, <laughs> I'm teaching myself piano. I've got some online piano courses. I've got the, one of those $600 Yamaha pianos that you can make sound like an orchestra. I literally have, I have one of those sitting in my Amazon cart right now. I'm, I'm yeah. thinking about getting into it. You, you've, you've just re-inspired me. So. It's totally fun, man. It's totally worth it. You'd be surprised. And then the other thing, we play Scrabble every Sunday. Uh, we watch not a lot of TV, but we watch us. We'll watch a series like we just watched. Finished watching the Mayor of Easttown. We watched yeah. um, the, the the Michael Jordan tri trilogy. You oh know. yeah. So we just Let get into things like that. You know, usually something more. And we we did get caught up in the Good Doctor for a while. I think that's what it's called. Uh, the one who's uh, uh, got Asperger's. Um, yeah. Very very cool series. But mostly then it's just taking walks and and doing yoga and things like that. But it, it's um. And I read a lot. I love yeah. to read. That's why I have 3,000 books. I was, I was going to say, you've got a couple books behind you. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's four walls. That they're like all that. just sitting there collecting dust, not doing anything. No, they're not. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm curious is there anything that you do? We, on this show, we talk a lot about, um, we talk about a, a lot of success habits, morning routines, evening routines. Is there anything that you feel you've done maybe over the course of your career or more recently that's a little bit different than what most people would think that allows you to be successful or happy or more joyful? I, I think several things. Number one, this is something most people, I make sure I listen to at least 15 minutes of comedy every day. Yeah. So, you know, I've got all the comedy channels in my Sirius XM. If I'm driving around, I've got all kinds of uh, Spotify kind of comedy channels. Yep. I watch Saturday Night Live reruns, you know, on on, on, on YouTube, etc. So I find that laughing is critical. Uh, I, all my students know I collect cartoons, so I usually get three to five a day. You know, I just got one the other day. It shows a dog on his front paws and both of his hind legs are up. One's by a tree and the other's by a fire hydrant. And the guy, the caption says, yeah, he has trouble making decisions, you know, so it's like, <laughs> you know, so I collect those. I laugh a lot. That's, I think it keeps you in joy. The second yeah. thing I do is do the hour of power, which is 20 minutes of meditation, 20 minutes of exercise, 20 minutes of reading. I've been doing that for probably 20 years. That I think is critical. And, um, and I said, you know, for me, again, I, I probably read more than 20 minutes, and I've gotten into the habit of watching at least one TED Talk 
every day. Yeah. You know, and usually in things I have nothing about. So it expands my thinking, my continued learning, expanding your thought. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If I have I any, re- if I have any regrets, it's I don't have more free time to like take every master class. I don't know if yeah. you've seen master class series. I want to do every one, you know, from bartending to joke telling to movie making to, you know, whatever it is. I just like to yeah. get better at things, you know. I, I I have to ask, you've been you've been at this for longer than I've been alive. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you keep you have so much energy, you have so much drive and so much joy? Like, is is that just natural for you, or is that all these things compounding and being on your purpose? What is it? Uh, just keep hanging out with people who were born after 1960. I think that's the main thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think, you know, somewhere along the line, I really learned do what you love, you know, yeah. and, and the, delegate the rest, hire the rest out. Uh, don't do it. Say no. Yeah. And, uh, I love what I do. I mean, I'm enjoying this conversation, you know, yeah. I got three more to do today. So if I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't do it. And I wouldn't be on here. Yeah. And the other thing I would say too is I probably get five emails, letters, and books a day in the mail saying you inspired me to write this book. My life changed. You know, you getting your hundred thousand dollar month up coming up on stage. I get off on that. You know, it's like yeah. watching your kid catch a touchdown or something. You know, in football. So for me, that keeps me going as well. And then, fortunately, I married a wife who's could have been on Saturday Night Live. She's extremely funny, so I laugh a lot with her. She. I, I'm, I'm laughing before I'm out of bed in the morning. And so yeah. that keeps me young as well. And then finally, I would say I take 51, I counted it up the other day, pills every morning. They're vitamins and herbs and uh, antivirals because of COVID and um, things to keep your skin healthy and your liver working and your lungs working well and your hair from falling out and God knows what. But they're all holistic things. I haven't had a pharmaceutical in 20 years you know, I've never gotten wow. the flu. I haven't got a cold. I'm not vaccinated. I haven't got COVID. Um, yep. So, you know, and I had a person in my house that had COVID for a month. So uh, I feel pretty. So pretty you, yeah, you do, you do your research. You take care of yourself. You can keep going for a long time. Yeah. I'm 77. Right. I'll be 78 in August. Jeez. I would not have guessed that, yeah. but amazing, man. Thank you for that. Um, Jack, again, I could probably keep going for hours, but I will be respectful of your time. Um, one last question for you. Where can people learn more about you and what's coming next for you? And, and where can we send people to, to get more doses of Jack? Well, the easy way is my website, which is simple, Jack Canfield, C-A-N is in Nelly, F-I-E-L-D, Canfield.com. If you want to get started with something really simple and quick and powerful, if you do jackcanfield.com forward slash transformation. Uh, what happens, we'll send you a, a 10 day, every day you'll get a, a three to five minute video to watch. It'll come to your cell phone, your iPad, your computer, whatever. And then you watch that. And there's a little assignment of how to integrate that during the day. Like maybe a, a, thank five people for something or, you know, whatever. So what happens is at the end of that 10 days, it literally can transform your life. Now you can do it every day. You could do one every three days. doesn't matter how you do it. And I'll tell you this, we had a guy, um, Chris, who wrote me this, this last year, he sent me an article that he had written for a podcast. And it said, how I turned a free 10 day program into a million dollars extra this year. And <laughs> he literally had tried the program before and stopped after day five. He just was so busy. And then he ended up in the hospital uh, for broken leg or something. And so he had to, nothing to do. So he did all 10 days. Yeah. He applied it. And by the end of that year, he earned an additional million dollars, all of which he 
claims was the result of doing that 10 days. So I would highly recommend people get that. And then if you want to, if you go to the website, you can find, we have all kinds of online learning programs, downloadable things, do at your own pace, train the trainer program, uh, breakthrough to success. There's audio programs uh, downloadable as well. We have a classroom curriculum, a lot of stuff. And then God knows a hundred of blogs and things like that. You can watch and read and so forth. Yeah, so if you're if you're not familiar with Jack, go to www.jackcanfield.com. Uh, definitely get into that 10-day transformation. So jackcanfield.com forward, forward slash transformation. Um, and the last thing that you pointed out there, Jack, that I want to highlight is your guys' Train the Trainer program. Um, I think you guys have worked with near 3,000, like, like 2,700 or 2,900 um, coaches and educators and trainers now to help them uh, get certified in uh, the principles that you teach, myself being one of them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you guys are if you guys are out there and you're a coach or you're looking for med- more education, be sure to check that out as well. Um, Jack, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for coming on the show, man. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. This was fun, Xander. Keep up the good work. I will. All right. That's all we have for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. And if you did, please share this episode on your social media and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. We can only spread our message when you share this knowledge with the others that need it. So we really appreciate the support. Thanks a ton. Thanks a ton.